This is the Tribune Audio Network. From the moment investigators arrived on scene, the priority was finding nine-year-old Jennifer Short. She has been captured, forcibly taken and abducted. A nationwide Amber Alert was issued and the FBI notified as the search began. No one knew what the little girl was wearing, who she could be with, or where they could be heading. You just have to believe that you're going to be the one that finds something. You know, there's something out there that has to be. On behalf of the family, we're pleading for whomever has Jennifer to please return her, release her, release her to a secure location. I'm Fox 8's Tess Bargeber, and this is Who Killed Jennifer Short? I think while we're here, we should go to the house because it's only about 13 minutes away. Starting route to 10820 Virginia Avenue. Sent back from the busy highway, there's nothing left of the short family home off US 220 in Oak Level, Virginia. The home burned down in late February 2019. At the time of this recording, authorities still haven't said what caused that fire. Now the lot is overgrown, all that's left is a circular driveway and the mailbox. The garage where Michael's body was found, the bedroom where Mary was killed, and Jennifer's room where the little girl was taken, all gone. It's here that the frantic searches started 17 years ago, beginning at the home and spanning outward for miles past the motel next to the family's home and the radio station across the street, beyond the Circle Seat convenience store where Jennifer would buy snacks. She was a fun, loving child. Uh, she was a smart child, but she loved her parents to death, both. Not one more than the other, but both equally. Carolyn Short, Michael's sister and Jennifer's aunt, remembers the missing posters at businesses in Oak Level and nearby Martinsville. Photos of Jennifer with a toothy smile, her short brown hair tucked behind her ear. I was trying to work. It was really hard to work because you kept thinking they will find her alive. You always have that thought. That feeling. Because they took her, we figured hopefully that she would be alive. But you know, maybe it was just somebody that wanted her. But then when it was all bad, you know, you just, you give up everything. I mean, you just give up hope, everything. One of the last places the nine-year-old was seen was at the now-closed Circle C. Surveillance video shows her coming in to buy something from the clerk. She was just happy she could be. I talked to her about going to school, and she said, oh, yeah, I'm ready to go. And she was dressed real cute and just happy as she could be, like always. Search teams and volunteers set out for miles around the Shorts' home, but they were unsure about what they were looking for. There hadn't been any trace of Jennifer nearby or signs from whoever had taken her. The first chance I got, I came up this morning, and I've been here since about 10, and they've been steady at it ever since then. It keeps you going because you think, well, maybe the next hour, maybe, 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 we'll find her, and we'll be here, you know, when the family comes. Tents were set up to accommodate people crossing state lines to help look in the August heat. 
and volunteers from Rockingham County's Mounted Patrol came to search by horseback, led by Sheriff Sam Page. And this was one of the areas of this tournament that we wanted to go back and just research one more time and check if there's anything. And again, we've, we've checked uh, several passage areas here and have not come up with anything. With no idea who took Jennifer and killed her parents, Henry County investigators brought in criminal profilers from the FBI. The way FBI profiling works, or the way any profiler works, is you go back and you look at past incidents, past cases. This was the only case like this in the United States at the time. So it was, it was hard to, to profile. It was the, the profile that we got was just very, very general, and they couldn't pin it down anymore because this was the only case like it at the time. It's easy for Lieutenant Curtis Spence to recall the days following August 15, 2002. Oh, it was spread across the United States. We wanted to find that child alive. We had officers from FBI. We had, of course, the surrounding jurisdictions. We had North Carolina. Uh, we were contacted by Tennessee, Kentucky. You know, we had somebody to check on every, every sighting, every possible sighting of Jennifer. Uh, so it, it went well across the United States just trying to find her. Lieutenant Spence is retired from the sheriff's office now, but he runs a business in the area and says investigators still call him from time to time to ask questions about the case. It is a bittersweet day. Uh, I really wanted to have this case solved before I ever left the office. That's why I actually worked three more years past my retirement date, hoping that I could get, get the information that I need to, to solve this case. I think the family needs closure, and that really bothered me that I didn't get that for them. He says while the searches were underway, deputies tried to figure out if anybody nearby would have heard the gunshots over the noise from the highway. We actually did test with, with shooting firearms uh, inside the house. I, we stationed officers around different places, uh, and even as close as 200 yards, they couldn't hear the, any gunshots. Uh, we have had people come forward that they saw uh, maybe a suspicious vehicle in the area. None of that has come, has really helped us at all yet. Lieutenant Spence remembers that during the six-week search for Jennifer, family members and friends said goodbye to Michael and Mary. He explained that they hoped to find clues to the killer and kidnapper in an unusual place. The couple's funeral. They filmed the service hoping to catch anything that could lead them to Jennifer. Well, we had... No idea who actually committed this, this horrendous act. And we did not know whether they may even show up at the funeral, uh, kind of as a, a trophy, or the possibility that if it was someone that was close to the family, uh, their actions may give away what they had done. Uh, anything like that can be used in evidence in court, so that's why we filmed it. If you're just as curious as I am to find out who killed Jennifer Short, try out a new podcast from Fox 8. Hi, I'm Katie Nordine. I've been looking into another unsolved murder, one that really took a small community by surprise. It's called Who Killed Grandma Nancy? This cold January morning back in 2013 started like so many others. I got up, got ready, went to the kitchen to get, grab a cup of coffee. But good detectives know that can change quickly. 
And then you hear that call on the radio come out that there's a, a body in a business and here we go, it's time to go to work. The business was Atlanta Car Company, a used car lot in Davidson County on the outskirts of Lexington. Nancy Harvey, the owner, was dead. What do you remember about the, the crime scene itself? I think brutal just sums it up, if you want one word. Um, a lot of, just a lot of dismay. A very, very heinous crime. Download Who Killed Grandma Nancy wherever you get your podcasts. After reviewing the footage of a crowded church, they found nothing out of the ordinary. Nothing red flagged. At least three people called to report possibly seeing Jennifer in the weeks to follow. Two sightings reported in Winston-Salem and one in Danville, Virginia. Officers in Danville surrounded a family in a car as they tried to pull off from a gas station and put a crying girl believed to be Jennifer into a police cruiser. But the girl's parents showed them photos and her social security card, proving it wasn't the missing little girl. About four weeks after the murders, with few leads, the sheriff at the time, Frank Castle, scaled back the search. Henry County only kept four deputies actively looking for clues in Jennifer's disappearance, but said they wouldn't give up. This is like something that you, there's like a movie on TV about, like, so for it to happen in real life and for me as a person to be somewhat, a, not a part of it, but involved in the person's life, like, it's just kind of surreal. Like, especially when I was younger, I was like, there's no, like, this, there's no way that this really happened. I found Caitlin Lane by flipping through Figsboro Elementary School's 2002 yearbook, the last yearbook Jennifer was in. She says the nine-year-old was one of her first friends in school. The second grade was when I moved to Martinsville, so I think um, I think Jennifer was one of the first um, kids that kind of like came up to me and approached me and tried to have you know a conversation and be friends. I think her and Brittany already knew each other. Um, when I got there, so we kind of like grouped up, and like I said, second and third grade, we were really, really close. Caitlin has since moved away to Lynchburg. She works full-time in a restaurant and is raising a toddler. She tells me she thinks about the case often, but doesn't remember much about the days leading up to the school year, only that her mother had to explain that something happened to her friend. They found her parents, and Jennifer was just missing at first, so I think that's the conversation we had in the bedroom, and she didn't really like give me details about anything. She was just like, they found Jennifer's parents this morning, um, and Jennifer wasn't at the house. So it's kind of like a really vague, kind of like, uh, the biggest explanation, but more so to like protect me, I think. Teachers at Henry County's Figsboro Elementary had set up the rising fourth grader's desk in class, they remained hopeful she would be there on the first day. We'll begin the day by letting them cut the yellow ribbons and wear their yellow ribbons to remember Jennifer. And we'll answer any questions that they may have. As days went on, family members called for Jennifer's abductor to let the little girl go. Jennifer, we miss you and we love you very much. Please don't give up. 
Because we'll never give up. We find you. Six weeks later, just over 30 miles away, the big break when Jennifer was finally found. At the time, we didn't know who it was, but we knew that little girl was missing from Virginia. But never in a day would we dream that she would turn up here. On episode three of Who Killed Jennifer Short, a gruesome discovery. A Rockingham County family vividly remembers their property turned into a crime scene after finding the remains of a little girl on their property. If you have any information that could help investigators, you're encouraged to call the FBI tip line at 1-800-225-5324. Who Killed Jennifer Short was written and reported by me, Tess Bargeber, edited and produced by Sam Walter. Our executive producer is Kevin Daniels. Please subscribe to the podcast and tell your friends. A five-star rating helps get the word out, and maybe someone out there has the one clue to solve the case. This has been a production of the Tribune Audio Network.